This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. Hello and welcome to this Research in Practice podcast on the Community Development Worker Project at Cornwall Council. I'm Julie, the Research and Development Associate at Research in Practice, and today I'm talking to Becky Higgins, who is employed by Volunteer Cornwall and working in partnership with Cornwall Council as the Early Help Hub VCS Engagement Coordinator, and also lead for the Community Development Worker Project in Cornwall. So welcome, Becky. It's lovely to have you here. Hello, Julie. Nice to be here. Um, so the Community Development Worker Project in Cornwall, can you tell uh, tell me a little bit about that particular project and your role in this? I will. I'll give you a bit of background first so it helps to make sense of how the Community Development Worker role began and has evolved. So plans for the voluntary and community sector working together with children's services has been discussed quite a lot over the years with um, key senior people discussing how this can happen. Um, This resulted in the One Vision partnership plan, uh, which was developed in Cornwall to change the way all services work together and improve support for children in the area. Um, Where I came in, there was a pilot project which was trialled in Cornwall's Early Help Hub. The Early Help Hub is the first point of contact for all inquiries, parents, children, carers and practitioners working with children. They contact the Early Help Hub to seek advice and information about resources for support. Um, It consists of a multidisciplinary team. There's Early Help, Health, CAMS professionals, and they all triage and process requests for help and direct people to the appropriate support. This could be voluntary and community sector. Um, It could be local authority. So it's looking at what's best for those people. So the Early Help VCS engagement coordinator role was trialled to look at how the voluntary and community sector could work together with this team to help to signpost families to support from groups and organisations, but keeping that support in their own communities. So my role through that was gathering information initially, so that information could be cascaded out to the contact workers. So investigating new groups that are out and about in Cornwall, building relationships with those organisations so they would feed in updates and just that general conversation that you can have with those different people that are offering support. And then you've got the richness of that information to feed into the contact workers or the parents or the professionals if you're discussing it with them. And then it might not be that they need local authority support. It could be that actually they could have that support just from something around the corner or something in their local area. So the role became more established, but then it was very, very clear that the vast area of Cornwall was more than just me on my own was able to cover to find out the smaller groups that were there. Um, and more depth of knowledge was needed for to find really knuckle down and find the real little groups, the ones that are known of word of, by word of mouth. So through that, the six community development workers role was developed and they were employed through Volunteer Cornwall. So 
the structure of how the community development workers are is they're employed by Volunteer Cornwall, but they're also part of the local authorities together for families early help teams. So early help in Cornwall structured into six different geographical localities. There's an early help team in each and the community development workers form part of those teams. So they're managed both by myself as the lead in the project and the early help locality managers in each area. It gives them a really good balance between both the local authority and the voluntary community sector ways of working. So I find that a really, really important point because you're bringing the quality from both sectors and using both of those things to support children and young people. But being part of the early help locality teams, it enables the community development workers to access those links within the local authority systems to the wider services to support children and families. Um, the ways of working in both sectors are different, but the CDWs, as I already say, it, it, they're able to use the strength from both of those sectors and to get the, the right support for young people rather than, and for the families, rather than trying to fit them into the support that we've got to offer. It's looking at what will actually help them. That, that sounds really interesting and quite innovative as well, um, especially um, in terms of the um, community development workers being employed by Volunteer Cornwall, uh, but being placed within the early help team. So that seems to be quite um, innovative. And I just wondered, uh, what do you think has been um, key in getting that role up and running and successfully into the communities? I think uh, the actual going physically into the communities, I mean, it's been a culture change for people in both sectors, but it's also given people the opportunities to recognise the skills and strengths. So going out into the voluntary sector, speaking to people in communities that are running small groups that realise they're volunteers, don't realise what they're doing, but also larger voluntary sector organisations it's having them merging together with the with the skills and the processes from the local authority as well um, actually going out and looking at other projects within volunteer cornwall and in other voluntary sector organizations becoming part of their wider teams and working in partnership with them building these networks that's been really key in making the um, project more successful and how do they go about building these networks is, is it a case of them just kind of going around um, their locality and speaking to people or is, is it more than that it's I mean that's part of it but then it's bringing the people together it's it's bringing um, information it's passing that information in between it's showing the value of their role um, I think when they initially started um, it wasn't sure what actually they are doing you know to go out and do that but the initial part of their role was to find out what was out there we're all um, often saying there's gaps in services there's gaps in communities but actually when 
that's our perceived gap. Is there actually a gap there? So going out and seeing what is there was the key part at the beginning of the of the two year um, pilot project because this is a short term pilot project um, at the moment. And um, so they'd go out, they would find out what was there, what it was, what they did, who the people were involved. So they would record that information, they would map that information um, initially. And um, that was on a live map, which they shared that map with anybody and anybody professional-wise that are frontline workers that would be coming into contact with children, young people and families. So then that information is able, um, it's, it's evidencing what's in each area. So then they would bring different organisations within the same area together to make sure work isn't being duplicated. Um, that was a really important part of it. There was an example of that really within the first few months of um, one of the CDWs working. She went to an organisation who wanted to use some funding they had to set up a young women's group because they felt it was needed in the area. Previously, uh, the worker had been at a group not far away from that, within the same town, that actually had a young women's group, but they were looking for more members, more people to come, more people to support. So the CDW linked those people together so then they were able to provide the support for the young people and use their funding for something else. So the work wasn't duplicated. It helped to form relationship between those two organisations. So from that, some of the team have, um, everybody works in different ways to, they're flexible to the needs of their individual communities. So um, in some areas, they've there are already groups running that allow those networks. So the CDWs have helped people come into those networks and meet other people in their area through that, you know, mutual support, that working together um, for the same aim. And then in other areas, they've set up groups where people given the opportunities for people to get together and meet and share ideas. So is, is there a particular ethos behind the approach, Becky? Um, yes, I think the ethos behind this project is really not to go into communities being the expert on each and every community. Where we see a gap, as I said previously, the community as a whole might be perfectly happy with the support and facilities with the, and their own community strengths. So that it's listening to what the communities have to say. It's not going in there um, with a Superman cape on saying we can change everything because we can't do that. So it's about consulting with those people to find out what it actually is that we can do to help them, support them, but not do for them, because those are the ones that are, need to be empowered to do that. Mm. So you've talked about um, bringing the organisations together and about the, the mapping of the different voluntary and community services um, in, in different localities and about how that was um, initially what the um, community development workers were doing. How was that role evolved um i think i'm talking now prior to the pandemic because i think we could there'll probably be a lot to talk about there but how has how did that role develop as as they started to build those links within the community um through that i mean the information they gather they have um their networks their mailing list they mail out information they 
send out to the groups that are already running. They can send out funding information they might come across. They send out any information that could be supporting um, people that are already successfully running groups and other things. They're also, um, through that, people from groups could sometimes contact them about information, perhaps information from the local authority, because it, it's a two-way um, information sharing, because they're part of the early help team and part of that um, Together for Family service, as well as being the, working with the voluntary sector, the information to support children and families can come out of the local authority into the voluntary and community sector as well as information from the voluntary and community sector going back into children's services. So working through that, that, you know, that was a lot of work if you were thinking about all the little villages you're talking about, you know, to find out exactly what's there. Um, the importance of knowing their area, because there could be a large area where there appears to be no support. Um, or And then you go and you, you expect that it's an affluent area but the affluent areas are sometimes hiding pockets of poverty where people might need more support. So it's about really taking that time to get to know the communities that are there and the support that's there. Mm. And what kind of reception um, have you had from um, families and from the um, VCS organisations as well as part of the work? It has been a culture change for everybody concerned. Um, because I think in a lot of ways, people work in certain ways, in certain methods and um, procedures and protocols. And I think looking at the way other people work, if you look at it with an open mind, you can see the benefits of merging together the two ways of working. Um, on a main, the reception has been really positive and people are now seeing the benefits of um, joining together and partnership working, um, where that's more with the organisations. With um, families and people in the, in the community, I think, um, I think there's always suspicion at the beginning because I think historically people have come to communities to try to make changes and do things to help them, which perhaps sometimes it isn't actually what the communities want. But as the community development workers are more about finding out what is actually going on in the community, finding out what the strengths are in those communities rather than what they haven't got, it's what they are doing. And actually they're finding there is a lot more going on than initially thought. And, you know, in other, other places, communities, they don't need anything. They're, they're happy with what they've got. They're able to support their families, their children in those communities. So it's about, again, taking that time to listen to what the community want um, and what what they can do to help to empower them to make changes uh, if they want to within their communities. Mm. You talked about the culture, culture change that was needed um, in the project. Can you um, expand on, on that a little bit? What, what kinds of changes were, were needed around that? By culture change, I think um, within local authorities, there's ways of working which are one way. Within voluntary and community sector, again, it's a they are different ways of working. And that's more through, um, through members of staff, through an idea, a um, construct of how 
how things are done. Whereas actually, you know, it could be um, where previously somebody needs some help, they need a youth worker. And it's actually, do they need a youth worker or do they need to attend a youth club that's run in the voluntary sector that has a trained youth worker running that um, that organisation? You know, they, they are skilled. They are just as skilled as somebody that would work for a local authority, have the same qualifications and the same strength, but they work for a voluntary sector. It's about recognising those skills and about the, re the voluntary sector the voluntary sector recognising the skills of of the local authority teams and it's you know that's about the culture change it's about the recognition it's about seeing how that works when I first came into role I ran some sessions which we used as speed dating sessions with voluntary and community sector organisations talking for three minutes about their organisation and then going around the tables, the um, people from local authority, um, different teams, social work, early help, um, and some from health. And the response following that was absolutely phenomenal. It was the comments I got were things like, they're really nice people um, coming from voluntary sector about local authority. And from local authority about voluntary sector, there's some really skilled people here. I didn't realise what was actually out there. So those sorts of comments show that there was preconceived ideas about how other people work, whereas actually everybody who's in these, whatever sector, have their own skills and their own values to bring to the table. It sounds really mutually um, beneficial and um, I guess one of the offshoots in that has been that uh, around the relationship between um, the voluntary community sector and the local authority. So would you say there's been a shift in that? Very much so, yes. I think it's been a really positive shift. Like I alluded to earlier, um, the there's been conversations for a lot of years um, through senior senior members of staff, senior leaders about making the changes. And I do think that actually that is happening. And um, I think there's a lot more conversations going on. There's a lot more recognising the value and the strengths um, on both sides. Mm. And what about in terms of um, children and families? What, what have been the main benefits um, or that for them? For them, they've got access to if it's known about they've got access to other things that are happening um, specifically in their local areas um, again Cornwall is a vast area and some you know it's not you don't get the same provision across all areas you do obviously from the early help and that type of thing this provision is the same right across the board but through voluntary and community sector organizations depending on who you have in the areas the funding that's been drawn down from different areas there's more provision in some areas than there are in others, or there could be more provision due to the geographical settings. You know, there's a lot of um, coastal communities um, or very, very rural communities, as well as the larger villages and the towns. So um, the voluntary and community sector are everywhere, um, we're hoping. Um, but if we're talking, um, for example, through the Early Help Hub, somebody contacts and needs some support. 
um, we're looking at something in their local area. We're trying to find something that they can engage with so that they don't have to have someone come and do a piece of work with them so that they can be involved in something in their area and that intervention comes or that support comes at an earlier stage so if they are in the beginnings of difficulties then hopefully that early support through peers and their community will be enough to support them to prevent any escalation. And earlier you mentioned um, about um, identifying any gaps that there might be in support. If if a gap is identified, um, how how is that addressed? How do you go about filling that gap? Well, I'm glad you brought up gaps um, because the question on that that I always say is how is a gap perceived? We look at a geographical space on a map and it can show absolutely no provision at all. However, that could be for a lot of reasons. As I previously said, it, the geogra geographical areas, it could be moorland, it could be vast areas of cliffs um, and that type of thing. So that could be a reason why there's nothing there. It could be that it's an area that's predominantly elderly people. So, you know, the community development workers at this specific team are looking at children, children and families, and elderly people are part of the families, but it's looking at the immediate families for now. So that could be seen as a gap, but within those gaps, there could be small networks of support. Um, so, but if we speak to the people that live there, so that's the, that has been the second part of the project. The first part is finding out what we know is there, finding out what is there. So now where we might perceive there's a gap, then the CDW spend a bit of time finding out a bit more about, they're concentrating on an area to area at a time because that's how it needs to be done to do this properly. Um, and they're talking to parents and young people who live in those areas. Um, then they are holding fun events and things like that for people to come along to in some areas. Again, everyone's working differently, um, dependent on the area and the people in the area and what they're finding. But they're working in partnership with people that already work there. Um, and they're also, one of the things that I like best is they're going, they've built relationships with schools in areas anyway, and they're, they're talking to head teachers and getting permission to talk to parents at school gates. So, you know, we, we talk about hard to reach parents, hard to reach families. So most families come to school to pick up their children. So actually, if they're hard to reach, go and see them. That's how I look at it. So the community development workers are going to see people, going to speak to people, listen to their ideas, listen to their thoughts um, and what they think about their area, what they would like to see but also keeping it real because um, I think, as I said earlier, there's a lot of projects over the years that have come in and said, well, help, we'll do this, and then they're gone because a lot of projects are short term. This is a two year project. So it's making no promises and it's, it's working on the strengths that are coming from the community. So it's asking, you know, what do you want? How can you do it? How can we help you? How can we all do this together? So if there is somebody that has an idea and wants to bring it forward, 
then the community development workers can help to do that through looking at funding, looking at governance, um, and that type of support of how, you know, the actual practical support of how to get there, um, but not not saying that they're going to run it, not saying that they're going to fund it, and not saying that they're going to be there forever. Because mm -hmm. that is honesty, that is being very clear with people that it's coming from their skills and strengths and community. Mm. And have you found that many um, families or parents have set up their own groups as a result of the community development workers facilitating that? This is just the start of this, as I say, into the second part of the project. Um, I've got a really good example of one um, that contacted. This was through um, through a Facebook page and messaging through there. Again, they've all got Facebook pages which they share information on and accept, can accept messages through. It works really well in the communication. And a lady had wanted to set up a group. Um, she lived on the outskirts of the only city in Cornwall, um, but transport links are quite poor um, for the whole of Cornwall, really. So that's something that she couldn't get into the, the the local groups that were that were in the city. There was nothing in her area, but there were two um, two brand new housing estates being built with families predominantly occupying most of the houses, and she felt there was absolutely nothing um, for um, parents and toddlers. That was that was what she was looking. She didn't want. Um, a nursery, she just thought that they needed somewhere where people could gather with their children and have a, a chat and talk about their children, let their children play that. And that was, her, that was a very simple idea that she wanted to do. She wasn't initially sure how to go about it. So that was something the community development worker got involved with. She helped her to have conversations with um, the local parish council who owned the hall there um, she facilitated those conversations with the um, the parent that wanted to set that up she helped the parent think about funding for the future she helped to um, source initial setup um, money um, and you know, the, the parent that wanted to set it up she didn't want local authority input for, through that she um, she wanted it she felt that that might be a barrier to some families wanting to attend if it seemed too official she wanted it to be welcoming um, to all parents so that that was set up um, and has start had started to run successfully once a month and on then unfortunately the covid pandemic started which has put a halt to that for now but it's you know that's a really good example how through one message through a facebook messenger has um, resulted in support for that lady who probably would not have come forward and it wouldn't have developed if that opportunity hadn't been there for her. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, yes, you, you brought up the um, pandemic and um, COVID-19 and obviously things have moved on and and um, no doubt changed since then. Um, but having built these strong links within the community and the um, community development workers taking on this facilitator role, I would imagine that that has helped in some ways during the pandemic. Oh, most definitely. Um, 
the VCS response to um, COVID-19 in Cornwall has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, the volunteers coming forward, um, the support was there from day one through volunteers and voluntary sector organisation. Um, we found people who'd never volunteered before in their lives then found themselves as a vital part of day-to-day -day living um, for the individuals that they'd helped. Um, the CDWs were really well placed um, by knowing what was already out there um, and they're working as, with part of the volunteer Cornwall team. We have also um, community makers as part of that as well and they were working in partnership in their geographical areas, linking into groups they knew that were already out there that were still open because unfortunately a lot of face-to-face -face groups have had to close. However, a lot of voluntary and community sector groups that the CDWs were already linked with have changed how they're supporting people at the moment. They've applied for funding for equipment, um, could be baby equipment, it's what they're being asked for in the areas, um, changing to providing meals or providing food or providing clothing. You know, they've, they've looked at how they can support at this time um, and they are doing that. And like I say, the links with the CDWs between between the voluntary sector, between the services that they're, you know, closely linked with now through the early help teams. They've got those those family links. Um, they have adapted. They've been working with elderly as well. They've been working with who is need, who needs support at the moment through this. But like I said, the the knowledge of those groups and organisations if they if they're contacted by somebody and they can't help they don't know they can usually find someone or know somebody that they can contact who does know somebody who can support it's those key people that they now know in the communities that are the ones that can that are looking at supporting further so the work and relationships they've built up previously has been absolutely key in supporting people during this yeah, obviously, and also um, during this time, but and also thinking about the future and maintaining those links and sustaining um, this in the future. How, what what are your thoughts around that? About sustaining what the community development worker role and the links? Not 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 the role as such, but around the um, the work that's being done in the communities that the communities have, have taken on for themselves, and the increase in the numbers of of volunteers coming forward, as you mentioned. And how do you how are you thinking about sustaining that going forward? We're starting to look because the the initial um, crisis part of how we get the support in place is is beginning to ease now but then there's more um, complex needs are coming forward since then so i think the partnerships between um different sectors have shone through during this um both in giving and receiving support i think in that in that way looking at the future there's different things is looking at retaining the volunteers which that's one side of what we need to look at that's looking at um some people who have volunteered have gone back to work but they're still looking at how to volunteer in the future other people don't have that time and that's fine because they don't at the moment they've given their time when they've had it so it's linking into looking at and um the cdws are doing this now of contacting back to the organizations they they were working with or 
they knew of or they had relationships with before the COVID outbreak um, and seeing what's happening now, what are you doing now? It could be a parent and toddler group and it's obviously they can't meet at the moment and for the foreseeable. However, it's what else, you know, because that's they're a key point of support for parents with young children. So it could be, are they going to take it forward with WhatsApp or Zoom or something else? It's looking at how to support, you know, there's some groups that are doing it on their own and it's looking at what they are already doing and fantastic. And other groups that are, not sure how to do this let's let's look at how we can do it and that's what the cdws are starting to do now is contact and see you know are they going to are these groups going to be running in a different way and if they're not sure you know doing a little bit of problem solving and seeing if they you know together they can work out a way of doing that or know someone that can mm-hmm. i'm coming towards the end now becky but i just I wondered um, what has been the key learning from you from starting this project to um, its progression to COVID-19, that whole journey. And from that, what advice you would give to um, another local authority who might think about taking a similar approach? Um, Well, I mean, I would say I believe as strongly now as I did at the beginning of the project that partnerships formed between the different sectors is the way forward of creating and maintaining the community resilience. However, I do think as well, it's really important to retain the autonomy of their working practices, but remain open to learning from other sectors. It's the strength of this reproach and this really relies on mutual respect and understanding. The role hasn't been without challenges, as would be expected with cultural changes, but strong leadership and clear expectations um, combined with that honest and open conversations between management and staff, that has enabled successful working partnerships. Mm. So, you know, looking looking to the future, it's quite uncertain times at the moment, but even before COVID, it was very clear that there's a lot more time needed to continue to move the project forward. It takes a long time to build trust and relationships. It doesn't happen overnight. And we're also looking at communities within communities, the different needs and the ideas, the diversity of the geography um, in Cornwall, um, as I mentioned before, we've got other areas we want to develop. So um, I know I've gone off track a little bit on this, but I'm very, very passionate about about this role and how I see it developing. And, and you know, I think local other local authorities would be um, it would be key for them to take it forward as to be supporting what they're already doing um, in both sectors. So bringing it back to um, the piece of advice, I would say it's really important to ensure the entire teams understand that the concept of partnership work is recognising, respecting the different and various ways of working towards the same goal. Um, The importance of um, being open-minded and trying new methods that don't always fit with your own um, ways of current ways of thinking and working. Also to be mindful of um, the CDW work is fluid, 
it's led by the community need doesn't always correspond with the um, preconceived expectations or ideas you have before you go in so um, where you go in with a plan that plan may change very quickly um, when you realize that you didn't actually have a clue about the community you've just gone into so um, a, a key point as well is targets for contra contracted services do not always fit neatly into a KPI performance indicator so flexibility around this ensures that um, progress and reporting are obviously monitored, but that the project and work is not driven by the need to record data, but it's rather, it's more, it needs to address the need. But overall, I would say do it, but do it mindfully. Um, the po positives far outweigh any negatives. Um, people and communities are being empowered to support each other. Um, they're preventing ex escalation of need and helping to prevent isolation in society. Um, support at an early stage is key to moving forward in the both social, emotional and physical well-being of society. People should not be re reaching crisis to support, to receive support from services when it could have been prevented or lessened just by being in their own communities and the support that's actually there. So. As I see it, community development workers are supporting people to grow within those communities, um, which can only help to change the way that new generations will perceive their communities and how they can be empowered to make the changes in the world around them. Empowering people, I think that's a really nice message to end on. And I think your points around being adaptable and flexible and um, forming partnerships and having mutual respect i think again they are all really really important and key messages um within the community so i'd like to um thank you very much for um taking part in this podcast becky and um i look forward to hearing how this project develops in the future and how your uh, how the current situation um informs thinking going forward as well and hoping um, that you, you can capitalise on the gains that you've already made there. So once again, thank you very much, Becky Higgins. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for listening to this Research in Practice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter? Tweet us at ResearchIP.